What I tried to do was act like I was literally reading this book in the presence of the people listening to it. I do a lot of road biking for Ironman training, and it's just awesome to like hear stories, feed my mind, keep myself kind of focused. We're both readers, and then when you read a lot, you basically learn a lot of words and you have no idea how they're pronounced, and sometimes you have a very vague idea of how they're used. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet former state and federal prosecutor Trey Gowdy, entrepreneur and angel investor Dan Martell, and sibling author team Ross and Catherine Petrus. Tune in to hear what each of these authors hopes listeners will learn from their books. Enjoy! Hey, this is Trey Gowdy, author of Start, Stay, or Leave. I do think life consists of the decisions we make. I mean, life consists of lots and lots of things, but almost all of them would involve decisions. Education involves decisions. Relationships involve decisions. Employment involves decisions. If you meet my wife, you'll know that I did very, very well on that very important decision. I have also not done so well in some other decisions of life. So I wanted to empower people to have a decision-making paradigm that could sustain them throughout their lives. But equally importantly, I want people to liberate themselves from other people's definitions of success or failure, to have their own decision-making mantra or paradigm, but also to define the terms of their lives for themselves. So that's what motivated me to do it. I wish that I had read something like this when I was in my 20s or 30s. It would have saved me a lot of gray hair, which I have a lot of, by the way, too. If I had to describe what it was like to record this audiobook in one word, well, first of all, I can't do it in one word. But if I had to do it in one word, it would be laborious. It's hard because I know how to like spell certain words and I know what they mean, but I have no idea how to pronounce them. Other than, you know, my name and the title of the book, there are pages and pages of words and phrases. There are chapters of words and phrases. The whole book, I had to have help with my pronunciation. It's actually harder than you would think, which is also what I tell people about reading off the teleprompter. It's a lot harder than you think it would be. What I tried to do was act like I was literally reading this book in the presence of the people listening to it. Not unlike you would give a talk to a small group of people, not unlike you would give opening statement or closing argument or summation in a courtroom. I tried to envision that I am literally in the car with you or at home with you, and I am reading what I have written. And it, you know, it took uh, well over a year to write it, so you're invested in it. And you want to like hit the right inflections and you want to emphasize the right parts of the book. So the thing I'm proudest of is I really, really did try to act like I was sitting right there with you, reading it to you. Although you may very well have said, hey, stop, I'd rather read it than listen to you. But that was my goal. Who would I want to read my book? That's a great question. I would probably say my three sisters, because it will make them read it, and I'm not sure they would otherwise do it. 
So my dream narrator would be to force them to have to read my book. I'd like to make my sisters read my book, and that may be the only way I can do it. But if I could pick my dream narrator, I would pick either Denzel Washington or a guy named Paul Hewson, who also goes by the name of Bono Vox, who also goes by the name Bono, who is the lead singer of the world's greatest rock and roll band, U2. That's a lot of narrators. I am not in the car anywhere near like I used to be. I used to go to the airport, obviously, every week, which is about an hour and a half each way. I read all the time, but I read off of an iPad. I don't even read, like, hardcover books. I download it and read it off of a device at my house, and if I ever lost that iPad, I would wind up in some kind of insane asylum. My favorite place to read is in the home office in my house. And now listen to a clip from my audiobook. As you're thinking about starting something, whether it's a new career or a new relationship, a new hobby or a new investment, starting fresh in a new city or starting to get more serious about your health, whatever it is, I have found it's best to start at the end by creating a clear picture in your mind of your final destination, you will be better equipped to make decisions that ensure you reach that desired place. Hi, this is Dan Martell, author of Buy Back Your Time. I wrote the book because I wanted to help all the entrepreneurs out there struggling to build a business that they don't grow to hate get past the pain line, that place where the more they grow, the more pain they have in their life. To help people understand a core belief, we don't hire to grow our business, we hire to buy back our time. If I had to describe, using one word, what it was like recording this audiobook, I'd have to use the word connected. It just felt so cool collaborating with people that were passionate about the project and really worked hard to create the best product. I realized I had trouble pronouncing grasp and anything with, you know, visually or intertwinedly or anything with just multiple syllables. I just always mess up the emphasis. (laughs) What I was most proud of is that we took the time to really emphasize the feeling of the stories that we recorded in the audiobook And what I'm most excited about is the additional bonus content that we recorded for each chapter. I think it's really going to add to the audiobook. If I hadn't read the audiobook myself, I'd probably want a guy named Ed Bullion from VinWiki. Look him up on YouTube. He's got a very cool voice. And every time I listen to him, I just think he needs to be on radio. An audiobook that I loved recently that I was listening to was Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Because he really took the time to, like, tell the stories and add the chuckles and the laughter and just the way he did green light. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is while I'm road biking. I train for Ironman, so I'm spending hours on a bike, and there's nothing better than to listen to an audiobook that can kill two or three or four hours of time like it goes by in a blink of an eye. And now, listen to a clip from Dan Martell's audiobook. I stared at the gun in my duffel bag. 
If I just point it at these cops, they'll end my miserable life for me. Wiping the sweat from my eyes, I peered into the rearview mirror. Two armed police officers were racing towards my car. I'd just led them on a high-speed chase and crashed into the side of a house. They'd finally caught up and had every reason to fire on sight. It was game over. Hopelessness flooded me. Memories of a lifetime of troubled antics. Shoplifting in grade school. Stints in group homes in middle school. Getting booted from high school. Hi, this is Catherine Petrus. This is Ross Petrus, co-author of You're Saying It Wrong. We wrote our books because, well, both Ross and I are kind of persnickety about words, and we've been working together for years. So we started keeping something we called the Hall of Shame, where we'd catch the other person making a particularly bad grammar error or spelling mistake or something like that. So it was kind of an offshoot. The more we corrected each other and collected, the more we collected and corrected each other, the more we started getting into the whole concept, and it just kept growing. And before we knew it, we had a book idea. We're both readers. We both started out really basically reading. And then when you read a lot, you basically learn a lot of words, and you have no idea how they're pronounced. And sometimes you have a very vague idea of how they're used. So in a way, in the idea of physician heal thyself, we wrote these books to help us better pronounce, better understand, and better use our words. My very first language as a little toddler was Greek. And according to my mother, one day we went to a playground, I must have been three, and I realized that no one had any idea of what I was saying, because I grew up in the States in that point. And I think at the very early age, I learned, gee, how you say things, what you say, how you pronounce stuff is pretty important. And I think from there, I became very sensitive to the idea of the importance of language being a means of communication. We also grew up a little bit overseas in Egypt when our father was with the American embassy. And there we heard Arabic. And again, we realized, gee, language is fun. And I think all my life, I've had this great fascination with languages and with pronunciation. The other thing is that our mother was a notorious mispronouncer of language. I mentioned in the book, Vichyswa, she would say Trattoria, she would call it Trattatoria. We had fun in our family, always laughing with our mother and frankly at ourselves, because Kathy and I, I think, definitely inherited that willful ability to mispronounce words. So we're both very careful in many times about how we pronounce things. The one thing that keeps striking us consistently is how much there is going on in the English language all the time. Things are always changing, attitudes are changing, and we're noticing more about it. I mean, that's one of the reasons we wrote more than one book on the topic and why we actually started doing a podcast also called You're Saying It Wrong with NPR, because there's just no stopping. (laughs) There's always something to say or talk about or correct. How to describe what it's like to record an audiobook in one word? I could describe it in about 30, but I guess number one would be harder than I expected. <laughs> I thought you just sat and read. I didn't realize you had to talk a certain way and not sound like, which is my inclination, especially when I've had coffee. Before we started doing this, we took a look at the book, and then I had Kathy read, and then I read one section. It took about a minute. I thought, snap, we'll get that done easily. B, 
basically, it took a lot longer than we thought. We both have a lot more appreciation of actors, audiobook reciters, etc. It's a tough job. I realized I had trouble pronouncing, well, a lot of words. Like I said earlier, that was one of the big reasons we wrote the book. My biggest word mispronunciation, I just mispronounced it too, is detritus. I always pronounce it as detritus. And detritus is a word, or detritus, I should say. Here I go again. It's a word that I read years ago as a kid, and I loved that word. And I had no idea how it was pronounced. But I loved sort of tossing it into conversations. And I realized with horror many years later that I must have thrown out that word probably 10,000 times. And in all those 10,000 times, I mispronounced it. The one thing that really struck me in pronunciation, particularly, ah, there it is, particularly, I dropped the R, I discovered, in particularly and properly. I cannot properly pronounce particularly or properly. I say particularly, particular, or proper. My mother would kill me if she'd heard it. I'm actually proud at how much I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed rereading it in a different way. And I think hearing it made me realize a little more about what we had written. And also, since it's two of us, my brother Ross and myself writing these books, it was also kind of fun because I read some of the stuff Ross had written. So I got a new angle on it all. But I do want to critique him in some ways because he used a lot of words I had troubles with. So it's a back and forth thing. Well, I'm proud pretty much that I managed to get through three books relatively slowly. And if I didn't, forgive me. And I pronounced pretty much everything correctly. And I think that's a key thing with language. When you get down to it, language is so large. There's so many words. There's so many forms of syntax. There's so many ways of saying something. It's difficult to be completely correct about everything. And that was the whole point of our books, really. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast, hmm, that's an interesting idea. I really like Alec Guinness, but he's been dead a long time. And I like our current director, Lorelai King. I think she has a wonderful voice. And sometimes she would coach me and I would hear her voice and I go, why don't you just do the whole thing? If it weren't me recording my audiobooks, I would want... Morgan Freeman, even though he's not at all like <laughs> a guy's sound. But I just love his voice. I think anything like read by Morgan Freeman, I would want to listen to. So yeah, I want Morgan Freeman to be me. The last audiobook that I listened to is not a new one. I revisited on audio The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is not one book, but more than one, five and thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, it's Stephen Fry. How can you go wrong? Am I right? The last audio book I've been listening to has been The Odyssey by Robert Fitzgerald. And there's two really cool things about this. First of all, The Odyssey has been read for thousands of years. The first time it was composed, it was done for listeners, people sitting around a fireside listening to someone reciting The Odyssey. And here I am again, 2,000, 3,000 years later, listening once more. I think that's really a cool way to hear a book. I like listening to audiobooks lying down in bed with earphones and looking at TV sometimes, like beautiful pictures of the ocean. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks, I have three. Number one, when I'm on the exercise bike, because it keeps me occupied and I don't think about how my thighs are screaming for me to get off. 
I also like doing it when I'm cleaning the house. I'm a neat freak, so I clean often. But it's really pleasant to, like, you have someone with you as you're vacuuming and dusting. And the third, I would say, is obviously the bathtub. I mean, again, you can't go wrong when you're in the tub, a good book, and a glass of wine. And now, listen to a clip from our audiobook. We've all been there. You're at a party, talking to someone you want to impress, trying to sound super intellectual, when wham, you toss in some ostensibly impressive word or term, and then realize by the expression on your listener's face that you completely blew it by mispronouncing said word or term. It's indeed a common problem and a common worry. A 2015 study conducted for Dictionary.com found that 47% of all Americans are irritated by mispronunciations and correct their family and friends. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.